willing to risk it all by trying something new, putting myself on the line, you know, really getting to the point where I've said I have done everything I possibly can to pass this exam. And one of the things I find is that a lot of candidates have not done that yet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. If you are just joining us for the first time, we are a show that's all about accounting careers, what it takes to start your career, to progress in your career, and specifically all the different career paths that are available to you with a background or education in accounting. Well, that clip was from another unique guest, Erin Daber. Erin's a CPA herself, and 50% of her efforts in her own business now, Well-Bounced Accountants, are spent helping others to pass that same exam and become CPAs themselves. She started her career in a typical fashion, but quickly realized how important good managers and mentors are, and that took her into the field of coaching. It wasn't too long, and she decided to focus strictly on the accounting accounting profession for her own coaching business. That business is well-balanced accountants. I just love the name. Well, about half of their efforts are focused on training for career development. And then believe it or not, the other half of her efforts, as I mentioned earlier, are spent coaching individuals that have been struggling to pass the CPA exam and to provide them with resources and support to get them through that effort to the goal of passing. This is the first time I've done this, but certification is very near and dear to my heart. And I know it's a struggle for so many people to balance all of life's demands when studying for the exam. So I asked Erin if I could be a part of her referral program and help get the word out. As luck would have it, she does have a referral program in place already for both her live and online programs. So after you listen to Erin's story, if you feel like you would benefit from the additional support while pursuing the CPA exam, make sure you mention where accountants go when you contact Erin and Well-Balanced Accountants. That way she knows where you heard about her services. And yes, that will help support the production expenses of this podcast as well. You can find Erin at www.wellbalancedaccountants.com. Once again, I just love that name. That is too cool. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and get to the interview. Here is Erin Daber of Well-Balanced Accountants. Well, hello, Erin. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Well, for the audience, I have really been looking forward to today's episode. Erin Daber is on the line with us, and Erin worked in accounting herself, but now she owns a coaching business that helps us accountants become better professionals ourselves. I'm sure there's many items we're going to talk about today, but among those are going to be some techniques on how to help us grow professionally as we move up into management or or maybe even partnership, and we're going to include some information for CPA candidates on the services that Aaron's company provides to those individuals looking to pass the CPA exam. And if you've ever heard any of our previous episodes, you know that is an area that's very near and dear to my heart. So this is going to be a really fun discussion. Aaron, I really do want to get into the present time, and I have been looking forward to recording this. But before we get into all that, I think it's important for the audience to understand how you got to where you are today and what that journey was like. What initially led you to think about pursuing accounting as a possible career in the first place? 
Well, what's interesting about that is that in my sophomore year of college, we got to the point where you need to select your major and start to focus in on what you want to study long term. And my parents came to me and said, well, Erin, have you thought at all about what you'd like to major in? And I vividly remember looking at both of them and saying, you know what, I'm not sure exactly what I want to study, but I know for sure I'm not going to study accounting. And so you can imagine their surprise three plus years later when they attend my graduation with an accounting degree. And so I'll tell you what happened in the between part there. I was registering for classes my sophomore year of school, and I was a little bit late to the game. I had transferred into this university, and for whatever reason, I wasn't, I didn't have my first pick of classes. And I went in, and I knew I had to take an intro to accounting class. And when I went into the system, the first thing I saw was that the only professor available was this professor that had quite a reputation for being really tough. He really prided himself on being sort of the gatekeeper to the accounting major, and he wasn't going to let anybody in that he didn't think was going to make a great accountant someday. So I thought, oh, gosh, I have to take class with this professor. He's going to, like, really take it out on me. He's going to know right away that I'm not cut out to be an accountant. So I'm gearing up for this class. His name was Dr. Bloom. He is the nicest man ever and really a fantastic professor. But I was intimidated. I was scared. I thought there's no way I'm going to survive this class with him. And a few weeks into the semester, he was returning our exams. And I'm sort of holding my breath. like, Oh, gosh, I wonder what this is going to look like. And he came to my seat and he leaned in and he said, Miss Saber, you're really good at accounting. You should consider a career here. And that was it. I was like, well, if the toughest professor in this department thinks that I'm good at accounting, I must be really good at accounting then. And <laughs> and that was all it took for me to change the whole path of what I thought I was going to do in school and in life and my career. So it didn't take much, just a little bit of encouragement from someone who I respected. And before you knew it, I was an accounting major. Oh my gosh. You know, people talk about, you know, getting an encouraging word or something like that, but that one little comment that changed your whole trajectory. What were you against about accounting as a major in the first place? (laughs) Yeah, I actually don't remember. I just think, I don't know. I feel like when you're 19 or 20 and you're in those first few years of school, I feel like we don't really know ourselves that well at that stage in life. And we're requiring a lot of students at that stage to know what they want to do long term. So I just don't feel like I truly had a good idea of what I wanted to do. And I guess I had misperceptions also about the culture and what it meant to be an accountant. I only knew what I had seen on TV and in the movies, and they don't portray us that nicely in Hollywood, I should say. So I had some preconceived notions of what it was. But once I got involved, in, you know, accounting society at school and started the recruiting process for internships and started to meet people that were in the profession, that's when I started to see not just that somebody thought I was good at it and that I would make a good accountant, but I started to see myself fitting in with the profession for the first time. So I think that's what really started to change things for me. 
Interesting. So were the rest of your accounting courses fairly easy or reasonably easy for you? Did you find you had a natural knack for it going through school? No, actually not. I (laughs) keep coming back to that same professor. He used to play this game with us called Every Journal Entry Tells a Story. And he would start and end most classes with this game. And he would put a journal entry up on the board and we would have to describe what was happening in a business that would cause this journal entry to be booked this way. And I would sit in my seat just praying that he wasn't going to call on me because I never knew the answer. I was terrible at that game. Um, So I really found that I had to work hard to be as good as my peers in the accounting major. And that really carried through into my experience as a professional. Also, I feel like I was able to survive as an accountant. I was good enough, but I did have to work pretty hard to stay on top of things. Interesting. Okay. I just had to ask. I was curious. Yeah, of course. Since he spotted talent early. You know? <laughs> and maybe that's what he saw is that you were someone that was willing to work hard. Hmm. That's interesting. So what were your first few jobs in accounting like out of school? How did you get your career started? Well, I went through the recruiting process at my university. They had a really robust process like a lot of schools have today where the accounting firms were coming on campus. We had a lot of opportunities to meet professionals, sometimes alumni from a number of different firms, the big four and others. And so I went through that recruiting process as a junior in college and was able to start an internship with Ernst & Young back in the Cleveland office where I grew up and that's where I went to school and ultimately received a full-time offer from them as a result of that internship. So I was very excited. A lot of my friends were also going to be working at the firm with me. Um, But as I got closer and closer to graduation, I started to feel this sense that I needed to move. I needed a change of scenery and really wanted to move to California. And so I picked up the phone one day. To this day, I don't know where I got up the gut to call the recruiter at my job. You know, this is my first full-time job ever. And somehow I got up the nerve to call them and ask to change my offer instead of being for the Cleveland office, if I could have an offer for the San Diego office. Sight unseen. I guess that was maybe more bold as a young person (laughs) than I am today. But I called them and they said, no, absolutely not. We have met all of our needs in San Diego. I'm so sorry. And I thought that was that. And I thought, well, at least I tried. At least I asked the question. And a few days later, I received a phone call and turns out that the managing partner at the time here in San Diego was also an alumni of that university where I attended school. And he said, I heard that a fellow Blue Streak wanted to come to San Diego and be part of my team. If that's true, we would love to have you. And so it was really a number of factors that all came together perfectly, but I was able to start my full-time job out here in the San Diego office. So I got really lucky And I'm forever grateful because that really made the transition out to the West Coast to a brand new city really easy. Um, You don't know if you don't ask. That's amazing. Yeah, 
Exactly. So I worked in the audit practice here. I had an opportunity, like many, to experience a lot of different industries. I spent a lot of time working with clients in the biotech sphere. We have a lot of those types of clients here in the San Diego area. Also, quite a few real estate clients, some that were public, some that were just getting started some really fresh baby companies in the pharmaceutical industry that were hoping to get acquired. So I had a really wide range of experience during my time there. And ultimately, after about three and a half years, I got that itch again to consider other options and start to explore what else was available in the accounting profession. What really happened was one of my favorite managers left. Uh, It was a person that I really enjoyed working with and somebody that I'm still friends with today, but in a working capacity, he really encouraged me to grow and stretch and try new things and be creative. Not too creative, of course, that's frowned upon in accounting, but he encouraged me to really go beyond my comfort zone in terms of what sorts of projects I was taking on and what I would raise my hand for. And it felt like he took a lot of pride and put a lot of emphasis on helping to develop my career when we worked together. And I really appreciated that about him. And when he made the decision to leave the firm, that left a really big hole for me. It was a big missing when he was gone. And that's really when I started to question, do I want to stay in public accounting? Or maybe if somebody who I trusted and respected so much has found a different opportunity or something really intriguing for himself out in private industry, maybe I should consider that too. And so that's what really started that thought process for me. And ultimately, about a year later, I did decide to leave the firm and I spent some time working as a financial analyst for a real estate company locally, got some different experience working more from the finance side as opposed to accounting. And I spent a lot of time there. I was there for, I guess, maybe two years. And during that time is when I discovered coaching. So it was sort of an evolution over the first six or seven years of my career. Okay. I want to get into that. So It's interesting you use the word discovered coaching. How did you discover coaching? And then from there, what led to the leap of faith to say, you know what, I'm going to go make a living doing this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I said, I really struggled when my manager left. His name is Kevin. He was really a great person to work with. And when he left, I had the opportunity. In one way, it was an opportunity to start working with other people in the firm. And what I started to discover, um, almost as an observer, when I think back to this time in my life, I imagine myself as somebody on the outside looking in. But what I was observing happening around me was that there were some other people like Kevin in my organization and in both organizations that I've worked with that really were supporting other people and growing and developing and who were interested in developing themselves and who were just overall really extraordinary people to work with. And whether or not I could pinpoint it or put my finger on that specific thing, whatever it was about them that I liked or that made them great to work with, it was just a sense of 
yeah, these are the people I want to be around, right? I feel safe here. These are my friends. I want to spend time with these people. And then there were others that weren't having that impact on the people that they worked closely with. You know, they had sort of gotten reputations in the office for being difficult to work for or avoid that job so you don't have to work with that person. It really planted the seed for me, just this question of what is the difference? How do these individuals who, in a sense, grew up in the same organization, they've had the same experience, the same training, but at the end of the day, as leaders are so wildly different and have such a different impact on the people that they work with. Some very positive and others not so much. And I saw that happening again when I went into private industry and it just was happening everywhere. And it felt like everywhere I looked, I was seeing these discrepancies, some people really thriving and others struggling or not being as effective. And So when I started to have those same questions for myself that I think everybody gets to at some point in their career, am I going to stay here or do I need to be looking for something else? Where am I going from here? I placed a lot of value on who I was working with and who I wanted to surround myself with in my next role because I think that's what really drew me to accounting in the first place was the people and getting to work with really high quality, smart and driven individuals. So I was looking for that. And in terms of, I believe your question was, how did I discover coaching? When I was thinking about what would I do next? If I was going to leave my role as a financial analyst, what would I want to do next? I had a really hard time answering that question. Hmm. I didn't know what I would do next. And I had started to get the sense that the technical side of accounting, the debits and the credits, and even the finance side wasn't what I was really drawn to. It wasn't the best place for me to give my gifts to the world. And I felt like there was something missing. And I couldn't answer that question. What would it be? If it's not accounting, I don't know what it was going to be. So I hired my first coach at that point in my life to help me get clear about how I could find more meaning and more purpose in my job and find more meaning and purpose in my life even. Really discover who I was and what I wanted to be doing for the long term in my career. And she really helped me to weed through some of the ideas that I had and work through a lot of the challenges that came up. I feel like sometimes people, when they're thinking about what's next in their career, they have ideas, but then there's immediate barriers that get thrown up. For instance, they might say, you know what, I would really love to work in the marketing department. And then the first thing they think is, but I don't have a marketing degree and I have no marketing experience. And then I would have to go back to school. So there were a lot of reasons why all the ideas I had for myself weren't going to work. And that just kept me stuck and kind of paralyzed. And she helped me to work through that and discover that what I really wanted to be doing was working with the people in the accounting profession, but not in a way that required me to do the technical side of accounting. So that really was the beginning stages of me finding coaching as my path to do that. You've had your business five and a half years or so, maybe longer, shorter, somewhere in there? Yeah. I believe it's going to be six years this year. 
Okay. What kind of services did you start with, and then how has that morphed over the years into what you're doing now? So we started as a life coaching firm. When I left accounting, I was feeling a little bit burned out, as a lot of people do, and almost disheartened, I guess, that it felt like I had made a mistake. I don't relate to it that way now, but I felt like I had made a big mistake in choosing that career and that maybe if I had chosen something else, that things would have turned out differently. So I just had sort of a negative experience that I was carrying around with me. So when I first started my business, I, again, was not necessarily focused on working with accountants. I needed a break. I wanted to get out there and practice coaching all different kinds of people and grew my practice. I mean, frankly, coaching anybody that would hire me. I think that's how it goes when you start a business, right? Yes. I'll take any clients I can find and I just want experience and I want to build and grow and develop this skill. And after about a year of that, I really was missing my accounting people. They're just my tribe. I love CPAs. I love accountants and started to get back into networking with other CPAs and get back involved in the profession and connect with my peers. And that's how I got back into coaching accountants. So now my company, Well Balanced Accountants, we only coach accountants and CPAs. We also provide CPE courses, custom training and development programs. So when we're not working with individuals one-on-one, we go into organizations, into CPA firms, and we'll provide ongoing leadership training and development for large groups of people all at once. So we can train all of the managers to be more effective or to develop particular leadership skills. And then I spend a lot of my time on the road speaking and training in different organizations, whether it's state societies or national accounting conferences and just spreading the message of coaching through the accounting profession. Hmm. That is one of the things that interested me when we were you know, doing our pre-podcast discussion is how you were talking about you help accountants mm-hmm. progress in their career, you know, through manager, maybe partner. And I know that's a big need in the field, you know, for firms as well. What areas do you find that we accountants need to grow in typically without giving away the secret sauce? I mean, I understand <laughs> we're not going to do a training session here on the phone, but <laughs> you know, just in general, what sort of a basic outline that you find is necessary to cover? Well, this idea was really born out of my experience that I shared coming out of public accounting and seeing those differences between the managers who are super effective. I shouldn't just say managers, the leaders who are really effective and the leaders who struggle or who people aren't as excited to work for. And I named my company Well Balanced because I think that's the answer, that we currently have a really big focus, a heavy focus on being technical experts in the accounting field. And in my mind, what makes the difference between someone who's really effective and who people want to work for is that they also place a heavy emphasis on the success skills, things that are not technically focused, like being good communicators, being good listeners, being team players, and taking time to step back and look at the big picture, either on an engagement or for the firm as a whole or their career. You know, they're taking that time to reflect on 
who they want to be and how they're showing up for their teams and how they're showing up in their careers. So I think if we were to talk about a secret sauce, it's having that balance, placing equal emphasis on developing yourself as an expert on technical topics, because obviously that's a big part of what our clients are coming to us for but also placing that emphasis on developing as a person and developing as a leader so that you can better connect with your team, better connect with your clients. And ultimately, I feel like that starts to make the job easier. We just are able to get things accomplished in a much more efficient and effective way when we're focusing on both of those. You just expanded my vocabulary because every time we talk about this, I find the term soft skills coming out of my mouth and there's a pain in the pit of my stomach. So I'm like, I hate that term because Mm. it's not soft implies maybe easy and it's not easy. (laughs) Success skills. I love that. Mm. Yeah, that is a good term for sure. Getting people to realize that adjustment is needed doesn't seem like something you learn in a one-hour training session. Are there personal coaching programs that you work with, you know, people on an individual one-on-one basis as well, or is it pretty much all done in groups, or how does that work? No, I work with individuals one-on-one. Sometimes when I think about a topic that is useful for training, it is more on the success skills side, such as communication or delegation or how to provide meaningful feedback to your team. Those are really good candidates for group training. Um, But a lot of the deeper inner work is really well done in a one-on-one conversation with clients. Wonderful. I'm curious, how long are you generally engaged, you know, to work with an individual one-on-one? Is it sort of an indefinite Mm -hmm. period or I have no idea. I'm very ignorant (laughs) in that area. Well, it depends. I find that a lot of these, I think the best way to explain it maybe would be to share an example. Would that be okay? Yes, that would be great. So as an example, I have a client that I worked with earlier this year. She reached out to me and said, okay, we're getting into busy season. This was like at the end of 2018. And She said, busy season is upon us and I'm really stressed. This has been a tough year for me and I'm really concerned about going into this busy season. I'm not sure I'm going to survive. I already feel burned out and we haven't even started yet. Is that something you can help me with? And I said, absolutely, let's connect. So we started to work together throughout the busy season, which typically is a time when people think I don't have time for anything else. I just need to focus on my deadlines and the task at hand. And they cut out things like coaching and other support structures that really serve them. And she was the opposite. She said, no, I need this now during busy season. So We worked together for six months. We've been working together for six months. And so she was struggling with burnout going in. And one of the main things that we worked together on was helping her to identify the certain things, the skills and the tools that she had been using to get to this stage in her career. So to give you some context, she was a senior level, about to be promoted to manager, just about eligible to be promoted to manager. And I think this is common with a lot of my clients is that they reach a point in their career where the tools and the approaches and the skills that they have in their toolbox 
that got them to this stage in their career almost overnight seem to not serve them anymore. Their job becomes more complex or the environment changes or something happens. And like I said, almost overnight, they are finding themselves to not be as effective or they see themselves burning out or having to work harder and faster and not get as great of results as they may have gotten in the past. And so what I worked with her on was starting to identify what were those skills, first of all, that got her here? What were those things that people praised her for and told her she was great at? And one of the things that she recognized was in being a mentor. She was really always praised for being a good mentor, being a teacher, being someone who would guide the staff answer all their questions. She was always available. She never wanted anyone to feel like they were alone, which is such a great quality. That's not something I would ever recommend that someone get rid of. But what had happened is that skill that served her and that so many people praised her for and adored her for having started to cost her. It started to cause her to burn out because she was being so available for everyone around her. And she wasn't setting boundaries and she was serving other people and not taking care of herself, not getting her own deadlines taken care of, really struggling to stay on top of her own workload. And this happens a lot where these things that got us here, things that really have worked for us in the past become liabilities. We overdo it and it starts to cause us to struggle. For her, that was a huge aha moment that she realized that, you know, it wasn't a bad thing that she was available and supportive of the staff, but it wasn't working in the way that she was doing it now. And in fact, she also realized that by her being constantly available for her team and ready and willing at the drop of a dime to answer all of their questions, she was actually holding them back. She wasn't causing them to step up in their career or to take the initiative to do research. They were just becoming dependent on her and coming to her with everything. And when she realized that what she was doing, even though it was from good intentions, she had the best of intentions in being there for her team that way. When she realized that that was actually holding them back and stifling their growth, that's when everything shifted for her. So we accomplished all of that in six months and it has made a huge difference for her in terms of just her own personal well-being and how she's showing up as a leader. And I really believe that as she moves up in the organization, that's going to make a huge difference going forward. That's very valuable. You're exactly right. Managers, a lot of times we end up building a prison, a trap for ourselves because we, mm-hmm. we build a situation where everything is dependent on us. You know, we're the bottleneck. And of course, you want to keep progressing and that kind of thing and eventually it becomes unmanageable. So, And you effectively remove that roadblock for her. That is wonderful. I want to talk about the other side of your business as well. I definitely don't want to run out of time for that. If I understood this right, I think you said 50% of your work is with CPA exam candidates. Correct. 
Okay. So what do you do for CPA exam candidates exactly? How do you help them? I'm just starting yeah. to become familiar <laughs> with coaching for candidates and it's an intriguing area for me. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. Well, the thing I love the most about coaching CPA candidates is that we get to use the CPA exam as one little window into their career and into their life. And what I mean by that is the way we do one thing is the way we do most things. So if someone is struggling with the CPA exam, say with finding time or protecting the time that they're going to study during the day, chances are as they move up in their career, they'll also struggle with setting boundaries around maybe they will hesitate to say no to work and they'll just be sort of the yes person and they'll take on all the work going forward and just potentially burn themselves out. So we get to use the CPA exam as a way to help candidates obviously pass the exam, that's our primary objective, but also to help them develop these success skills and identify places where they could potentially struggle as they move forward in their career. So that's one of my favorite parts about it is that we are not only focused on the exam, but they'll also walk away with skills that are going to serve them long term in their career. So I mostly work with CPA candidates who have struggled with the exam. Many of my clients have attempted the exam at least one or more times on their own, sometimes 10 or 12 times. That's not an exaggeration. Some of my clients have been at this for years and maybe have had success on one or two parts and really struggle with passing. Maybe they're struggling with financial and they just can't get over that 75 with that exam. And so then they start to lose credit on a previous exam. So it just becomes this really tedious, never-ending cycle. And what I found over the years was that a lot of the techniques that supported me from the coaching that I received and from the work I was doing with my leaders in organizations applied to the CPA exam like getting out of our own way mentally, going into the exam with a really positive mindset, not psyching ourselves out before even starting the exam. Some of the CPA candidates I meet have built this exam up to be such a monster in their mind that they're almost defeated before they get started. So that's really where the idea came from was that I was seeing patterns and seeing techniques I was using with my leadership clients that could help candidates with the CPA exam. So it's not tutoring. We don't talk about any of the technical content of the exam, but I am supporting my clients in coming up with a really solid approach that's going to work for them, for their life. Style. And we have to be able to fit the CPA exam into their life and not the other way around. So we're working with them on planning for the exam, how to schedule out their studying, even answering the question, how do I study? What's the best way for me to move through this material and how am I best going to learn? That's sort of the nuts and bolts of it, sort of the how-to, but ultimately I'm working with them to sustain in a long-term plan because you really can't pass the CPA exam in less than six months most times. So it's a long-term commitment. So I'm working with them to build this solid plan that works for them and then to help them stick with that plan and navigate some of the challenges that life throws at you during that time. So balancing your work responsibilities and your responsibilities at home with your family and fitting in good quality study hours. So 
First of all, I love the vertical integration that you're building here. So I'm struggling with the exam. I come to you. You help me pass the exam. You know, I can see how when I'm wanting to get promoted and working on the skills there that if I want some external coaching, I know who I'm going to go to, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I've used business coaches myself and had tremendous success. I'm a big belief in having that input you know, into your business. I know one of the aspects of getting results is you have to be coachable in the first place. So I'm curious if I'm a CPA exam candidate and I'm out there struggling, you know, maybe I've Hmm. taken it once and I'm frustrated or I've taken it several times, I'm frustrated, whatever the number, what questions should I ask myself or how do I know if Aaron Daber's service, Well-Balanced Accountants, would be right for me? That's a great question. And you're absolutely right. Coaching only works when you're coachable. And it's really a collaborative process where, and I share this with clients all the time, that the way that I work with one candidate and the approach that works for one person to pass the exam may look completely different from what any of my other clients are doing and the approach that they're taking, because it really is an individual approach. You know, the way that you pass your CPA exam is probably different from the approach that I use to pass it when I took it. And so you've definitely got to be open to input. You've also got to be willing to share. I think one of the key factors in the clients of mine that are most successful is that they come to the calls as an open book. They are telling the truth about what's working and what's not working in their study approach. And they come open to trying new things and willing to really take a look at what they're bringing to their study approach. So much more so than the actual technical studying itself, but even so much as what's the attitude? What's the perspective that I'm bringing to each of my study sessions? And am I willing? Am I willing to develop a new mindset around this exam? Because that makes a huge difference in terms of people's effectiveness. So I think the main questions I would be asking myself are, Am I willing to give it my all? Am I willing to risk it, risk it all by trying something new, putting myself on the line, you know, really getting to the point where I've said I have done everything I possibly can to pass this exam. And one of the things I find is that a lot of candidates have not done that yet. They haven't yet put it all out there because they're afraid of failing and they're afraid to fail It's even worse, I think, to fail when you feel like you have done everything. It's a lot easier to fail when you can say to yourself, well, I failed, but I didn't study that hard, or I failed, but I skipped around, and I didn't give it my all. So the main question would be, am I willing to give it my all, even if that means that you might not pass the exam? Is that okay? And am I willing to open myself up, open up my mind to new ideas and new approaches to potentially get the result that I'm looking for? Those would be the two main questions. I like it. You're not afraid to have a difficult conversation. That makes you a good coach. (laughs) I am definitely not. Maybe there's a third question now that you say that. The third question might be, am I willing to hear the truth? 
because I'm very willing to tell someone if I don't think their study approach is getting the job done. And sometimes they don't like to hear that, but most of the time they know I'm right. (laughs) For lack of a better term, because they've seen in their results that it's not working. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves that it is working, even though we know deep, deep down it's not. So a lot of our work together between myself and my CPA clients is, like I said, telling the truth, really getting down to the core of what's going to make the biggest difference and where they're potentially holding themselves back just out of fear and insecurity. And that's totally normal. And it's something that we can absolutely get them through in order to pass the exam. There you go. Well, I want to make sure we leave time for the final three questions. One more question before we get to that, though. In a nutshell, Mm -hmm. where do you see well-balanced accountants going? What's your vision for your service? Hmm. You know, one of the things I love most about my practice is when I have an opportunity to do that deep development work at the highest levels of organizations and with the partners in firms, because we're really able to change the tone at the top of these organizations. And I get to then support these partners in scaling their leadership down to all of the levels within the organization. So I see myself doing a lot more of that work to develop these firms, help them to thrive and be sustainable and healthy in the long term. And I'm really passionate about supporting the profession in building, I call it building balanced leaders at all levels of the organization. And I think about firms that have everyone at the top, everyone in the organization on the same page. Everyone's clear about the vision for the firm. They're clear about who they serve and how they serve their clients. They're clear about the company goals. And their professionals are deeply connected to their clients. And every time they go and have an interaction with the client, they're exceeding client expectations. And I think about a profession where the work that we do, you know, from nine to five or nine to nine, let's be honest, the work that we're doing during those hours that we're there supports our life outside of work. And really where all of our teams inside of these firms and organizations are pulling in the same direction and they're meeting their goals and exceeding their goals year after year. That's the vision that I have for my clients. And so the vision that I have for our company is that we're going to continue to grow and develop solutions to help solve some of those biggest challenges that are happening inside of organizations. And ultimately, we're going to do whatever it takes to partner with our clients so that they can have the firms that they've always wanted. I just had to ask because I can tell you really enjoy what you do. And I know from the services you're providing, you're making a big difference. So that is exciting. You've got an exciting future, have you, for sure. Thank you. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions, so we probably should get to those. The first one is usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? This is actually a tough question for me because I feel like I have a lot of really proud moments, but I will say the ones that impact me the most happen through my work with students. You know, as much as I love working at the highest levels of organizations and working with partner groups, I also feel like I connect deeply with students and emerging professionals who are young in their careers because it wasn't so long ago that I was there. And some of the proudest moments for me happen when 
I've worked with somebody either as a student or as an intern. Here's an example. I trained someone in a summer leadership academy. They were an intern candidate. They were still sophomores in school and they were participant in my class. And we talked about communication styles and they were so young and early in their careers. And the next year I came back to that organization. I was training a new group of potential interns and this individual was there as an intern. So they had successfully completed the program. They were there as an intern and they ultimately accepted a full-time job in that firm. And so every year when I go back and work with the new intern candidates, I see him developing in his career, moving up each year and just absolutely thriving. And last year he came up to me and we say hello every time. It's so great to see him. But he came up and he said, Aaron, it made such a difference for me being in your class and connecting with you and learning about these different skills that we were teaching at the time. It's like I use them every single day. I still have the handout that you gave me in this class four years ago and it sits at my desk now as a senior tax professional. And it's moments like that when I can see the work that I've done, you know, in one day, that one day has impacted this person's life for years and years. And I hope will continue to serve him in his career as he goes forward. It's moments like those that just let me know that I'm absolutely doing the work I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, those moments are special. Having a tough day and then you get a message like that or you see that or remember that and <laughs> make yeah. it go on. Yes. Well, second question, tell us about a mistake you made and what you learned from it, because really that is what we're after. But we really do like the really bad, (laughs) huge, colossal kind of mistakes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I feel like there have been so many. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I had a hard time coming up with a big mistake. I think I've blocked them all out. I think as soon as they happen, I'm like, oh, forget that that even happened. (laughs) But I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made that has been sort of a consistent challenge is trying to do it all by myself. I saw myself doing that early in my career where I hesitated to reach out for support hesitated to raise my hand and say, hey, I need help over here. I need some support. I'm struggling. And that carried forward. And I think it got even worse as an entrepreneur where I was literally on my own in my own business. And I didn't have employees when I first started out. And in order to save money or, you know, just look like I had it all together, I had a tendency to just take on everything and not ask for help, not seek out expert advice, with the exception of my coach. I never am without a coach. But even things like my website, I think my first website, I built it by myself, which for those people who know me, they know I am not a technical person in that way. That was a huge (laughs) mistake. And so that's really the thing that I'm always on the lookout for myself now is where can I find somebody who can do this better than me so that I can focus on doing the thing that I'm best at, which is coaching and connecting with people and training and doing these sorts of things where I don't need to be spending my time building websites and doing the technical side of and probably not doing a very good job of it either. So I just think that's good advice and a good learning experience that everybody can take from is looking at where they're spending time doing things that is really not their area of expertise and where they could be spending their time more wisely. 
<laughs> you know, your own experience and struggle with that makes you that much better a coach for others who struggle with that. <laughs> you were talking about yeah. coaching managers on yeah. delegation. <laughs> exactly right. And I think that's the beauty and the curse of being a coach, to be honest. We have got to go through those things ourselves in order to be able to see it and support our clients in growing themselves, right? We can't really very well ask somebody to do what we're unwilling to do as coaches. So in a way, that's a really good support structure for me to continue to grow even when it's not comfortable and to stretch myself out of my comfort zone. And at the same time, it does get thrown in my face often. I'll hear myself sometimes on the phone with clients saying something. And I'm like, wow, Erin, you need to take your own advice right now. Listen to what you're saying and <laughs> see where I can apply that in my own business. <laughs> well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice I ever received was bloom where you're planted. Somebody said that to me years ago, and I think it's so important for people in the accounting profession, really anywhere. So sometimes we feel like we're not maybe in the position that we want to be. Maybe we're not in the company we want to be at. Maybe we're not working on the project or the client work that we want to be working on. But if you do a really good job, and commit yourself to blooming where you are. You never know what sort of opportunities are going to come from that. And I'm a big proponent of that. I'm a good example of it too. I worked hard even when I felt like I maybe wasn't in the exact right profession for myself. I still worked hard. I tried to do a good job with everything that I took on. And I've benefited from that long term. Some of those people that I work with have become clients. They have referred business to me. Sometimes I see my former clients in my audience when I'm speaking at conferences. And so you just never know what other opportunities are going to come your way. And I think it's easy for us to get potentially down on ourselves or frustrated if we're not happy with the work that we're doing. And that can inhibit our performance or just impact our performance in a negative way. So I try to keep that in mind. Bloom where you're planted. Do the best job you can now and keep your eye on where you are headed in your career and develop the skills that you need. Get the experience that you need to get to that next level. And if you're doing a great job where you are, somebody's going to reach back and pull you forward and pick you for that next level and, and really support you in getting to that next stage in your career. Wonderful. This podcast is all about career growth for accountants. So that is perfect advice to end this on. Just perfect. Thank you very much. Well, for the audience, this has been Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet come to our website, please do so. Obviously, we have the show notes for all our episodes, including errands. Plus, though, we have an extraordinary amount of career-related content to help you move your career forward. Other podcasts, blogs, books, many, many things to help you move your career forward. Once again, that website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, Erin, this really has been a joy. I learned a lot myself and I've really enjoyed recording it. If someone wants to contact you for more information, maybe they're struggling you know, with the CPA exam or maybe they've got a firm and they want to develop some team members, what's the best way to find you or contact you? Definitely. You can visit our website. It is wellbalancedaccountants.com. 
wellbalancedaccounts.com, all one word. Or you can email me directly at erin at wellbalancedaccountants.com. And you can check us out on Instagram. Same thing, wellbalancedaccountants. Wonderful. Well, this really has been a fun interview to record. And thank you to all the audience members out there as well. We couldn't do it without you. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.